Asking the right questions will unlock your best life. They are the keys to enjoying more clarity, passion, balance, and confidence. Hi, I'm Todd Parker. And I'm Bridget Sampson. We're certified executive and life coaches, communication professors, trainers, consultants, and most importantly, parents. We're also dear friends who love diving into those deep conversations about life, relationships, family, and careers. All things about being a curious and compassionate human on this planet. So please join us, and we know you'll find something valuable that resonates with wherever you are on your journey. Welcome back to the Right Questions Podcast. I am your co-host, Todd Parker. Another wonderful day to have a wonderful discussion with a wonderful person. It's episode 26 now. Bridget, how's it going with you today? It is going great. As always, very happy to be here. Love to be part of these conversations. You know, so we're going to switch it up today. And I usually have a little anecdote and story to start. But since uh, I'm actually so close to and go way back with the gentleman we have on the show today. Uh, Bridget had some thoughts about, about the day. So I want to throw it to you, Bridget. Yeah. Well, I, just as we talked about the topic for today, which Todd will reveal in a moment, what our question is, you know, we always have a guiding question. I really started thinking about this topic, which is being remote, being virtual. We'll give you the question in a minute. And I had an interesting experience, which is that I was asked to give a talk on having a growth mindset coming up in October next month. And I thankfully had a video recording of myself giving a talk on growth mindset at Google that they had shared with me. And so I watched the video of myself giving this talk to kind of help get me back in that mindset to give a new talk on growth mindset. And something happened that I didn't expect, which is that I got really emotional because I saw myself in a room full of people live in person speaking to these people. And three of the people I could see in the audience are people who I now am coaching, of course, virtually and who I have not seen in a couple of years. And it really took me aback that like, wow, this was just a couple of years ago. And I was still out there in the world, traveling every week, speaking to people live, connecting with people in person, feeling that energy. And here I've been, you know, now for a year and a half doing everything virtually. So the question I think that we're going to ask today <laughs> is really relevant to me, to us, even those of us who have been, you know, working hard to learn how to connect in this virtual world we need more inspiration and motivation than ever to keep doing it as it, as there's like the no end in sight kind of just keeps getting extended longer and longer. So that's my little anecdote about seeing that video and how much it struck me. So there you go. Oh, you got me. You got me, Bridget. Cause you're right. You know, <laughs> we, there's so much lost in that connection. And so I really. Well, it walks us really nicely into, uh, dovetails really nicely into the topic today. And the question that we're asking, we have, you know, this fine gentleman on to answer, which is how can remote teams stay connected? How can we stay connected? And how can we as leaders be innovative, creative, and really think outside of the box and what's been typical and normal for us to really get into the perspective of, you know, our staff, our colleagues, and ensure that we're keeping everybody connected because that connection to not just our work, but connection to each other is, uh, you know, so vital and, and maybe more critical and vital than ever. So welcome. I'm going to say wonderful, wonderful introduction. And, and I want to tell you who we're talking to. But before we do, Anthony Fratali, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? 
Doing great. Great to see you. Great to uh, be here. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. Well, we figured you'd be with with all your experience, which I'm going to cover right now, and all of your well ideas that we were talking the other day. I thought it, you'd be you'd be a good one to have on and and to share your knowledge and pick your brain about how you do just that, which is keep your team connected because your people sit all over the United States. All right. So, who is this gentleman in front of you, Anthony Fratelli? Well, I will tell you that he's a fellow matador. You know, there were Cal State Northridge alums. Hey, Bridget, is it alum, alumni? What is, the, what is the proper oh, word? Oh, no, I don't know. I, don't I can never get it right. We'll we'll get back to you on that, people. Matadors. Let's just go <laughs> we're with matadors. Alums. I just say alum because that applies to all of us. We're matadors. We're alums. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're, mat- we're fellow matadors. We're proud matadors. I still teach there, of course. Bridget, emeritus professor. And, and you know, yourself, a, a graduate of our fine, you know, institution. I know that when you came out of CSUN, you went seemingly right into working with your, you know, your degree and started as a sales executive, you know, kind of bottom up uh, working at ADP, I think, and then moved your way up as the vice president of sales. You were there for a decade, which is, you know, quite a bit of time to stay with one company, especially one that you kind of came, it seems like right out of and joined. And then you moved into this new company in this new role first uh, with uh, as the now VP of sales and emerging markets for Procore Technologies, which is the more I looked into and the more I learned about your company, a really fast growing, very innovative company that's getting doing a lot of great things in in the world. So fill in whatever I missed, though, because I know I've got some personal stuff I want to share. But is that accurate? Is that pretty much your journey? We're there, man. We're close. Yeah. So uh, funny to think back almost 16, 17 years ago as an intern coming out of college, you know, did the sales route, sales leadership route, VP of sales at ADP. 10 years. You're right. Making me feel old. Thank you, Todd. Um, We're getting there. Found, found, this, found this startup in, uh, called Procore out of Santa Barbara, California, and uh, focused on the construction industry, selling software, project management based to that, that, that group. When it was 400 employees, and now we're global company, uh, publicly traded. So it's been a ton of fun, super fast growth, and uh, yeah, really thankful to be here. Wow, well, that's a that's a lot of uh, moving parts that you've been involved in for quite some time. I want to say on a personal level, and this is sort of how this all came back around. Like I've known Anthony for we've known each other now for I guess since we were what seventh grade. I want to say. I'd say we were probably 13 or 14. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to be on a basketball team right before we went into high school. It was like our my last basketball, basically, career. My last voyage into basketball competitively right before I went to high school. I was the point guard. Anthony was the shooting guard. My father was the the coach, the only team he ever coached in my whole life. But we got to be on a team together. So we go way back with the the funny little other parts of our lives is my sister, my older sister, was best friends with Anthony's wife, which is just a real random. Like, so back in the day in elementary school, junior high, they were best friends. And then the two of them got married. They had babies. And their youngest daughter ended up in my daughter, Isabella's class together. And they randomly, not knowing it, became very good friends, close girlfriends at school. And now they're in the same class together even this year. So, right. I mean, Anthony, really strange way for life to come back around. And uh, we, we're neighbors. And it's it's 
I can say on a personal level, knowing Anthony and knowing uh, all of his family and in his life for quite some time, that he's just a really amazing person. He's a fantastic father and partner. He has a lot of fun with his family. They travel a lot. They get out and ride their bikes and, you know, take their Jeep out. So he's a very well-rounded individual. And I say that because I want to, I want to bring that into the, I, the discussion today about leadership and where we're going with all this. So here's my question. Let's get to the question, right? We said, how can I, as a leader, keep my remote teams connected? How can they stay connected? And so you started telling me about some ideas that y'all have had, some things that have failed, some things that have done well. Like we're in this new world where we're craving connection. What is it that you've been doing to meet this calling and this need for your people? Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for the blast from the past, Todd. It's a pleasure. Uh, And I appreciate all the kind words. The easiest starting point for me is the organization agreed that first and foremost, we have to take care of our people, right? Take care of the people and their loved ones. And if we're going to do that, then we're, we're on the right course. That's our North Star. So that is a consistent theme that we share. We talk about. It's real. It's not just something we say on big Zoom, you know, webinars or conferences, So that's step one. Step two is it was tough, right? I think everyone can agree. We didn't know how long it was going to last and it's still going on. So being very creative, there's no wrong answers. There's just trials. And how do you iterate and iterate quickly? So some of the best ideas that we've done or what we've come up with to get a virtual team connected and feeling connected has come from the field. It's come from the individual people out there that are very creative in their own ways And a lot of it is things that we've trialed and maybe it didn't work in a group of a hundred people. Maybe it was better in a group of five people. So I think that's the starting point for the conversation, if that helps. Well, you like trial and error, right? So you started trying things. What's, what's something that you tried? Something we tried and ironic that we're on a podcast, but one of my leaders came up with the idea of, Hey, everyone's on zoom for seven to 10 hours a day. How nice would it be if we just drop these like quick seven to 15 minute podcasts, audio only, get them outside, go walk your dog, go pick up, go, go, go take your kid for a walk, go just get some fresh air and let's share on these podcasts, best practices in the business, maybe some win stories, maybe some losses that happened in the business that were maybe a, a good for a new associate to hear, right? And, and then just different ideas that the business is doing in other parts and different organizations that we run that are really cool or creative ideas, right? So we've, we're up to about 20 podcasts now. We ship out one a week. On average, like I said, seven to 10 minutes. So it's, yeah, it's been really good feedback internal. So creative, we try and get different people from different departments to talk. So it's not just me every day or every week. Yeah, who wants to hear uh, you all the time? That, I mean, come on. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so that's one of those areas that works, right? If I were to give you something that didn't work is where you try and do meetups where you're like, hey, like we're all in this small geographic area, like let's all meet up. But but that that was hard in the beginning because we didn't understand everyone's comfort level, didn't want to put anyone in a particular situation. So I think that was like the area that we started to steer back into how can we do things in a real remote environment. You know, what I love about the first example you gave is those are the kinds of things that happen naturally when you're all together in offices, right? The wins and the exciting things and the little, oh, I just did something that went really well. We don't schedule Zoom meetings to talk about that kind of stuff. (laughs) So having a podcast, and those are the things that uplift us throughout the day. That's that cliche, the water cooler talk, you know, the informal. So having a podcast to infuse that into people's day and encourage them to get out and get fresh air and do 
really engage in self-care while they're listening. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a fantastic idea that everybody out there should consider doing in some form. And for three of us here who do a podcast, I think we'd all agree that it's not as hard as you might think. You know, it's really not. We all know a little bit about technology. You do some audio. You're not even doing it with video, but I'm sure people are really enjoying it. So thank you for that awesome idea. I love it. And yeah, and the, and the challenges with trying to get people together in person are very real. A lot of our clients talk to us about that. And a lot of organizations that I'm working with, they've got a good contingent of people who really, really want to be in person and be in an office and be doing things. And then other people who don't want to be anywhere near that. So we've all got to navigate how do we try to give everybody a little bit of something that they're needing? So excellent ideas. I'm excited to hear more. Do you treat the podcast as like a professional development opportunity for, I, I know your people are going to probably, some of them are going to listen to this, our conversation right now, right? You're going to, we're going to send this out to them. Like, I don't want to blow your cover or anything, but I imagine they have to have their stuff together if they're coming on, on the podcast to do a win story, you know, present themselves well. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely a large professional development for some of the internal associates. You know, my organization is sales focused. So we do bring in external people as well, people from procurement. If we're getting stuck in procurement, maybe they can share some best practices of what they've done working well with sales associates or not. We've had clients come on, like, why did you buy our, our software? And what were the final like reasons that maybe we didn't even know during the sales process that maybe we can use in future sales? So we try and provide value outside the walls of what we think we know. And then also just for new associates to hear win stories and how a deal was processed and how it was won. So definitely uh, some development opportunities for those internal and also opportunities for, for other people that may not be part of the sales group to get infused into the sales culture. So we have people from customer success coming on, folks from HR. It's really interesting, the folks and how excited they get when they get to be part of it. So What's been the feedback? Like, what's been the impact on everybody? Yeah, it's great. So the first few I was nervous about because it's it's audio only. It's shared in you know Slack channels and different team group messages. So the way we get feedback is a lot of direct messages, and we send out surveys. And in these surveys, one of the questions we ask is, "What else would you love to hear about?" And it's an overwhelmingly amount. I don't have enough time in the year to get to all of them is what we've gotten back in just the first few feedback sessions. So if I had six or seven ideas to start this thing, we have hundreds now, which is which is awesome. That's incredible. And if people are going, ah, we can't do that. It really is just a matter of getting a decent microphone and hitting record. That's it. <laughs> and hitting stop. And then you got to file. Like I used to be so afraid of technology and we just click record where whether it's GarageBand or QuickTime, you got your audio file. And you know, we do recommend getting a decent mic. A Yeti is awesome. A hundred bucks. And there you go. You're set. So just want everybody to know you know, these ways of connecting and providing this kind of sustenance that people so desperately are craving, it's not as hard as you may think. And Bridget, to your point earlier about energy and being around people, like I do have the, those groups, myself included, where I do get energized when I'm around other people in person. And we, we have opened that up where if people are comfortable and are willing to travel, we've set up outdoor meeting rooms on our campuses where there's chairs outdoors. You can sit there with a mask on or off. It's up to you. And we've seen productivity from those groups spike. I can't give you an exact percentage on the return on investment, but it's definitely, it's definitely an upswing for us. 
So what about getting the work done, like virtually? You know, this is a big question we get a lot. Like, you know, especially you're a leader, you lead teams, you know, a lot of our leaders, managers who who we coach, who we do training for, there are a lot of concerns about are people doing the work? Are they communicating? Are they collaborating the way they need to? Like you can't be, you can't, the oversight is just not there when everything's happening virtually. How have you, how have you managed that? How have you found ways to work with that? It's hard. Uh, I, I would be the first to admit that. I think trust has to be there. I think trust but verify as a leader is something that I've always had in the back of my mind. Fortunately and unfortunately today, everything is something that we capture. It's all data. So we can track a lot of things and we can track effort, which is very important. We, we do believe effort leads to results. So uh, tr- trust is huge. I, I definitely have a lot of trust with my teams. And then I just think it it shows itself. So we do a lot of virtual deal reviews where you focus on a specific deal that's in process, let the rep present it to themselves, uh, present it to the group. And, and it's not just leadership, it's other parts of the business that, that are involved in these conversations. And it's very apparent the reps that are very on their business, the associates that are focused on, on the deals and taking care of the customers versus the ones that maybe are missing some of the small attention to detail stuff. And it's coaching opportunities for us at those points. In sales, it's a little easier because we do have that scoreboard up on the wall on, on how you're doing from a number perspective, but it really does come back to the personal side of it, right? The effort and learning, like we provide a ton of you know development. Todd and I've talked about some of the education we're trying to provide to the sell, selling org. And it's not easy, right? Because you want it to resonate across everybody and at all different levels of experience. So trying to figure out and provide and accept feedback on what's working and what's not has been a very strong muscle we've had to form. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking the sales is an animal in and of itself, right? Like it's kind of its own animal. And in sales, one of the challenges, since it's, it is very visible, right? Keeps the lights on in places, right? And there's a scoreboard. It's quantified. It can be hard to get people to stop and take a breath and balance. And knowing you quite per- very personal level, I know that you're, as I said in the intro, you're someone that is big on that balance. Like you make time for fun and you clearly work very hard to get things done. So the the way you balance the doing and the job and the being with, you know, with with, uh, your wife and family, right? Like that's a, that's important to you and it's a priority for you. And I see you make it center in your life. You mentioned to me in talking that the podcast, one of the intentions, and you said it here again, was to get people outside and get them off of Zoom and get them walking Can you talk a little bit about how that idea, like philosophically, how it plays into your leadership philosophy and how you carry yourself and then how you make it a priority and present that and encourage it in in your team? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, I was, I saw something on LinkedIn the other day about like the nine to five work week doesn't exist anymore, especially in sales. I do trust that every seller in my org and leader in my org if a prospect or customer were to call them at 9 p.m. at night, they would pick up that phone call and see what they could do to help service either way, right? Whether it's a sale or, or, hey, something needs to be adjusted. I don't have that expectation of my team that, you know, they need to work all hours of the day. And if they need time during the day, they know that they can take it. And they know that I trust them that they're going to come back to their work and get what they need to get done, right? So philosophically, I think it's hard for a lot of leaders to let go of that, right? And just be like, oh, yeah, I trust my team. They're going to still get everything done? Are they only working two hours a day? Or are they working 12 hours a day? Well, I don't care. Like, How efficient can you be 
in the amount of hours you're willing to put in. And if you can be very efficient, very productive and be successful, like, great. The rest of the time, I want you to have a balanced life. And, and I know that's hard for a lot of leaders, especially those that have come from different organizations where that may not be the case. So I feel we've done a good job with work-life balance, try and promote it, try and promote it at the leadership level, Todd, to your point. Like, I need to lead from the front. I need my leaders to do the same thing. So that way their associates and their individual contributors know that it's okay to take time as you need it for your family, your loved ones, just for yourself. I think what that brings up for me too is that that one of the benefits of this situation that's not, you know, a wonderful situation, but is that we've all learned how to get better at making things measurable right? Like we've gotten, we've really learned to quantify, you know, like Todd and I've only seen each other once in person in the last year and a half, but I know he's on top of his work and he knows I'm on top of my work. We have everything in spreadsheets and documents and everything is, you know, measured and we have our deadlines very clear. And I don't, we were not that clear on all of that before when we could just meet in person and we were running around doing things in person and traveling. And I see that in general that people, because you know, speaking to what you just said, Anthony, you know, you're not together in office. You don't know what people are doing. That trust has to be there, but we also have to have really, really clear metrics <laughs> that help us see, okay, clearly you're doing it. I don't know if it's taking you two hours. I don't know if Todd's working two hours or 10 hours today, but I can tell you he is crushing it. He's getting everything done. He's bringing in work. He's Our clients love what he's doing. So it's like we've all shifted how we measure everything, I feel like, and what, what really matters. Well, I think to what you said, I think our first instinct was to just go jump on a plane or go get there. It was go be in person because then you could feel, see and see what's happening. Where now that, that's not an option. And, and, and we do promote traveling if it's, if it's comfortable for the client prospect and comfortable for our associates. But it's just gone to show that we can still be successful in this virtual world. And lean too, like it creates ability to save funds and budgets, right? And gets us to be more creative with our, and more, I would say more resourceful with what we do have available and what we have control over outside of like jumping on a plane, right? And going to, to try to make it happen. Absolutely. In person. Yeah, like almost presence force, forces the thing or creates the thing. Whereas, yeah. Well, I want to go back and just ask like, so... I know that it comes back to trust. Then I heard you saying it comes back to trust it with my team that they know I trust them to do X, Y, and Z. And, and in turn, they have that freedom. How do you have that conversation or, or even get the courage, the wherewithal to have that conversation and be that transparent up front? And I asked that question for those leaders you're talking about that are micromanaging and do have a staff. And I'm working with leaders like this constantly that are like, come on, like, give me some more space here. It's, it's suffocating. Yeah, autonomy is definitely earned, right? I, I think as sellers have proven themselves to be successful, they, they earn that. I think when people are new, right, they're natural. They're, they're expected to have some form of that micromanagey, if you will. I don't like that word, but that's the best way to say it, where they're kind of, they're, they're learning, right? They're going through a process and understanding how you do something at this company or that company. As you get to work with that person and see what they're contributing via one-on-ones, team meetings, just doing, we, we used to call them seat rides where you kind of just sit behind and listen to them talk to the customer prospect so they can understand what you're saying and hearing. But now virtually, it's a lot easier to do things like that. We do a lot of call recording to where we can follow up and listen to what was said and help coach after the fact. And you can watch progression. You can see how they're doing. We have internal coaches that are helping us do these things, which, which has been huge during COVID. Uh, them being able to be a third-party, unbiased, not manager person, talking to someone as a human that's you know helping them and supporting them has been very helpful. I think one of the things that 
I don't know that we do enough of as leaders is recognize people for the small things. And I think that helps build trust, right? And some, some great leaders I've learned from, send them a handwritten note, have it show up at their front door. You know, how different is something like that? You know that they went to this, you know, almost this school and you shoot them something that that was maybe a hat from their group of school that they went to or their fraternity or sorority, a t-shirt. Like there's a lot of small things. I think if we were to take 10 minutes in our day and think about a couple associates in the team and do it once a week, you can create a pretty big impact if you do things like that. How do you find time to make time for all that? Make time, find time to make time to do all that. Because most leaders that I, you know, a lot of leaders would say like, oh my gosh, like that's just another thing on my to-do list. I'm, I'm glad you asked this. One of the, I, I'll, I'll never forget, one of uh, our president at one point when COVID was full effect, everyone's remote. And I, I just feel like, I don't know if you guys felt this the same as I did, but there was just all of a sudden a 30 minute blocks of time on your calendar, just Zoom after Zoom after Zoom after Zoom. And you're like, and I, and I got out of the day and I'm like, why was I in that meeting? And he, he came on one of our all-hand company updates and said, it's okay to get leave a meeting. Just be polite in the chat. I, I'm not sure why I'm here. Uh, feel free to send me the, the readout or, or you know direct message me if you need something. But I think what that started doing is it started forcing folks to make sure if you're inviting someone to a meeting, like what's their purpose? Did you share an agenda? And what's the outcome you're looking for them being on this meeting, right? So, yes. oh. so that helped with just time <laughs> management for me personally. And I know a lot of others. Yeah, I just have to say, I have a couple clients right now, no identifying factors who in every session that we do coaching, I say to them, they'll, we'll literally look at their calendar for the next day and they have 30 minute meetings all day, like eight to five. And I'll say, okay, imagine you don't have to commit. Imagine that you had to cancel three. You have to cancel three of these because something else came down the pike that you absolutely have to deal with. I'm not going to say you have to. And they'll always pick the three. And then they always say, you know what? I actually can. I can tell those people I can't be there because I'm not, it's not essential for me to be there. They can continue and do the things they need. So do that, people. Please look. If you have a packed day, look at that day and imagine someone's, you know, <laughs> I don't know, threatening something really scary and saying you absolutely must eliminate three. And well, I mean, we can usually do it. And then you free up the time for the more important things, for the for the higher priorities. And I love hearing you say that high on the priority list would be those little personal touches of recognition, of sending a gift, of saying thank you. Please hear that, people, because these are the things that go by the wayside that often are put on the back burner. And they need. there are so many other things that can go before those things. So thank you for Just putting simple that. things. Go get water. Go eat lunch. Eat breakfast. Go say hi to someone else in the house that's maybe doing the same job you're doing, but in a different office, right? You know, pick up your kids if that's in your lifestyle. So I think those are the important things we forget. And one of the best things that my boss actually forced me to do is, hey, this call today at three o'clock, let's not do it on Zoom. Like go walk around the block. We're going to talk on cell phones and, and it's, we're going to go back to like what it what used to be like when we would actually have a conversation without seeing someone. So I think it's just being creative and trying different things and it's okay if it doesn't work. And the reality is we get more time back. That energizes us, right? Because Todd and I are in sales too, right? <laughs> We're a small business. So we are the salespeople of our business. So, But if Todd or I said, okay, I'm going to make sales calls from eight to five all day, by noon, we'd be completely exhausted. And that next call would be, you know, a disaster. And it impacts your work. It impacts when you make that call, the other person on the other line can feel it from you if you don't have that energy and that excitement. Passion, right. That passion, right. which is such a yes. decide. We teaching that all the time, passion for your subject, passion for your product, right? Passion for your client and their project is at the highest part of closing that. Yeah. 
you know, when you're talking about the team sitting there and Bridget not getting leaders to not show up to meetings, I'm thinking like the, there's other fallout to that, right? Like it's not just that we get like a leader gets their time back. It's that the team, we remove a presence that sometimes is a great presence in the room, but can also be a stifling presence, right? And it can create anxiety. It can create like trepidation. We can be uncertain of the things we're going to, we're second guessing ourselves. We don't send, put the idea out there. And really that was the new innovative creative idea that's the spark that someone needed to run with. And since Anthony wasn't in the room, cause he, he took that meeting off. Cause you know, now all of a sudden it's there and it lives and they come to you and now they own it, right? There's so much benefit to being more intentional, which is what I hear in so much of your answers, Anthony, is just, I'm very intentional with what I'm doing. I'm thinking about it constantly. And it's very apparent that you care. And it's also apparent to me that whoever you're reporting to is coming from a special and unique place that's a little bit different than what we, Bridget, right, always hear just from the way you started the conversation that we're going to put our people and their families, like everyone's front and center, and that's our North Star, that's not something we hear every day. So can I ask like a little bit, like where's the leadership in your company coming from where this is the the culture that they're creating? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes from our founder, our CEO. I mean, it, it's it's built into our values, right? It's just part of the DNA and the culture of the organization, which you know I always thought was something you look for when you join a company, but it's something that is amongst the people in the organization. And that's what keeps it real and alive and moving forward. And that's also what can change it, right? So we've done, and, and it's been hard to maintain culture, especially at scale. And, and you know, going from a, a small company in this one geo to a global organization. So it really does come down to the people in your organization, I believe. I know you're a servant leader, right? I can hear it in everything that you're saying. And it's a big topic that we cover, you know, here on, on the program. What advice just overall, what suggestions do you have overall for leaders who find themselves really perplexed and a little confused and struggling to find footing with people coming back to the office, navigating these conversations, trying to keep people calm and certain in an uncertain time? Like, what do you recommend? I think I, I openness. I think being being very open with people is very important. And what I mean by that is, here's my understanding of what the organization is asking of us, and here's our expectations around coming back to the office or not coming back to the office or visiting clients or not. And I think being comfortable enough to have those open dialogues with your associates on their comfort level, how they're doing, right? I think that's such a weird thing we don't ask enough is like, like really like we don't need to talk about metrics in this for five minutes. Let's talk about how are you, like how are things outside the walls of work? And I don't want to be your, like at two in the weeds, nothing personal, but just, are you good? Are you excited every day when you show up to work? And then I think one of the things I've seen leaders do lately is if maybe you're not getting the feedback you're hoping for is there's nothing wrong with an anonymous surveys or 360 reviews. HR will always put them on. A peer will put them on. A friend from another company can help you, you know, depending on your scale. But that is where you'll find real feedback if you're really willing to accept it, I think, is the key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've done that. We've done that as well. It's a good reminder for us to <laughs> offer that to our clients more often, too, because we've done that where we've done a group leadership training and we we send out, we're the safe place where we send out the surveys and they send it back to us so they know their manager is never going to see it. And we get the feedback and deliver the feedback. And those can be tough conversations. But when when people really know that it is anonymous, they will tell you things that you need to hear. <laughs> 
And, and that's usually where growth comes from though, right? If you're willing to accept the change, like then you, you get to the up and to the right. So that's what's exciting. Right. Well, I just want to say to you, Anthony, that there's something in your demeanor that I'm sure really puts people at ease too. When you say you have this real genuineness and calmness, and I want to call that out because I think as to Todd's point, a lot of people in a leadership position are struggling right now, and that's great. And get support, get coaching, get support from your org. And at the same time, you got to kind of rise to the occasion for the people on your team to help them feel that things are going to be okay, that they have support, that you're, you're there to listen. You're calm. You've got things under control. You don't have everything figured out. You really give that off. You, you know, I hope people will watch this on YouTube and feel that energy coming from you because I think it's something that we really try to help our clients to develop. And we're all at different stages and that's fine, but that's where we want to get to because people need to feel, you know, supported and they need to feel that their leadership has got a reasonable handle on things, you know, and that if they're struggling, they can go to their leadership and they can be honest about that and that they're going to get support and that, that people are not going to freak out with them. Right? Like, I just feel that from you so strongly. And I want to call that out. And I strive to be that way as well. And I strive to help support leaders in giving off that kind of energy because it's so comforting. It's just so helpful. It's easy when you're surrounded by good people, right? I think that's what makes my job easier when my leader is that way and my senior leadership is that way and my team. Like, and I'm not saying we're all just easygoing and no, like we're here to do a job and perform and, and hit results, but we're also here to get better together and get the team better together. Yeah. And you can be both, you know, you can be really focused on results and really driven and hungry and calm and kind of like, okay, but it's all, you know, I have one client who loves to say, we're not, we're not saving babies here. We're not pediatric surgeons that have to be, you know what I mean? Like not to minimize the work we all do, but like, you got to have perspective and be like, it's, we can stay calm. We can make it through whatever it is. We can use our, put our heads together, figure it out. And you're right, being around good people. So I'm just so inspired by you. And I wanted to share that kind of observation because I think it's something we can all learn from. Appreciate it, Bridget. I love the energy. Thank you. You're modeling a courage that is comforting. And like just in the discussion, the comment of being open to a 360 review, which leaders dread, they might be open to it, but they might dread, right? Even And a lot aren't open to it and don't ever want to have that feedback brought to them. And it really is the opposite of your, of, of open. It's very closed, right? It's fixed mindset, not wanting to grow. And so as you display that, you demonstrate that, you embody it. And I'm sure it serves as a great as example for everyone who's reporting to you and, and just your colleagues around you. Say like, here's a guy who wants to get better and is encouraging me to do the same and who's already, you know, kicking, you know, doing so well in a number of ways and is trying to, to push it harder. And he's not pushing it harder for me. He's pushing himself harder for himself. He's pushing harder for me as someone who reports to him, as someone who he really cares about. He's taking care of himself so that he can take care of us in a much better way. So I appreciate you for that. And I, I, want, I want to call it out is that 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 courage is not always and that openness is not always on display from leadership. I think it's the ability to let others know what you're focused on and working on will bring my best every day and my energy, which hopefully either they will up level me or I can up level them. And, and, and it's a give and take, right? I'm not always up leveling them. They're up leveling me more often than not. But it, it's definitely a balance. And as long as I'm open with them and, and vulnerable, 
in a very professional way on what I'm focused on, then it, then it's a really healthy relationship. You said it there. We say it as um, we're trying to leave people better than we found them, right? And that's what you just offered is like, we all share that goal, that common goal. And, and you're doing Agreed. just that. Yeah, I think it was an amazing conversation. This was one where Todd did all the prep. So I just got to come and like soak up and absorb all the amazingness and great ideas. But, you know, just to, I know we're, we're kind of winding down, as Todd said, but I think you really, really helped us answer the question, how do we help people stay connected in the virtual world? Teams, even folks like us who are doing what we're doing, you know, it's not always our team. It's all the teams we're working with. You gave us so much insight and great information. Is there anything, you know, that comes to mind, anything else about how to help people stay connected virtually, how to stay in a positive mindset and keep moving forward and you know, doing the best we can in this virtual world if it goes on indefinitely. Any, anything else that we didn't ask a question that gave you the chance to say? I don't know about uh, anything specific maybe on that, but I will say use the power of your network, right? Like Todd and I see each other when we pick up our daughters and him and I have been talking about ideas, how we can work together. I, I just think that extends, you know, 6X across the, the the world that we all live in, whether it's your LinkedIn community, your, your community you live in. <clears throat> get ideas and be creative, right? And don't hesitate to put yourself out there to see what others are doing. And you don't need to recreate the wheel because we've all been doing this now for about 19 months. So there's probably a lot better ideas than what I've shared with you out there. And I'm trying to find what those are. See, humility, right? The humility and openness right there at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's a great reminder. You're right. Across the board, stay connected to your network because we're not really going to networking events. So it takes that extra, you know, reminders to ourselves, like go on LinkedIn every day, see what's going on there, connect with, you know, make those reach out to people that you haven't talked to in a while. And it it is, yeah, it is something that takes a different kind of focus and energy when there aren't naturally all these events happening in person that we used to always go to. So really good reminder. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me. This has been a ton of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for making the time for us. And like I said, to be able to chat with somebody who is embodying and practicing just all the different methods, strategies, right? Philosophically and practically in leadership is a gift to us. And it's a gift to our whole community, which is full of both, you know, students who are at CSUN, right? Everything from students to, to great leaders all across, across the globe, right? It's like, so your journey is not only inspiring, right? But it's also, it sheds light. It gives us insight into ways of operating and mindsets that spark and spur on growth and not just ourselves, but in other people, right? And ultimately arriving at that common goal of leaving others, leaving the world better than we found it. So thank you for making the time, sir. Bridget, this was super fun. Loved it. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. As I always say, be good people, make good choices, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to The Right Questions Podcast. We hope this episode sparked something that fuels your own inquiry and transformation. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to learn more about the work we do and how it can benefit you, check out our website, sampsoncoachingandconsulting.com and connect with me on Instagram at thebridgetsampson. And you can find me at Todd Parker Official. We'll catch you next week. Until then, dare to ask the right questions. <laughs>